I speak to you in the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. Amen. Our collect prayer for the day, which immediately precedes our first reading, is the collect for all saints, which is our feast day today. And in this collect, it refers our prayer refers to an unspecified number of ineffable joys that God has prepared to share with those who truly love him. That was our prayer just moments ago. Now, it's impossible to describe the ineffable. That would be a contradiction. But I think that it is at least reasonable and feasible to some degree to seek to identify something of these heavenly joys that all of God's saints can look forward to. If we are in fact going to plead with God, if we are going to petition God in such broad and general terms, we don't want it to be vague as ineffable joys, we want to fill a little bit of content there. We ought to at least be able to say some things about those things which we are hoping to receive and to enjoy. And though we may not know these joys in their fullness, we would do well to add some clarity and some definition to our terms to help ensure that we are tracking and aiming and praying on the same page together. Without a doubt, without any doubt, there are far too many ineffable joys to count that God has prepared and is prepared to share with his people in eternity. Ask any kid about their upcoming trip to Disneyland and what they're looking forward to, and they may highlight some things, but surely they can't count all of the joys. How much more in heaven from God? The joys that God has prepared must be infinite in number, because he is infinite. But that said, what I would like to do is simply to draw our attention to at least two. Two concrete, clear, ineffable joys that we can look forward to. And I'm not just picking two joys at random. These two fundamental joys must be. It is essential that they are front and center for all saints, no exceptions, all of God's people. In fact, I would go so far as to say that if you cannot find joy or see any reason for joy in these two fundamental joys, you will not be able to see any reason for joy in any of God's joys that he wishes to share. These two joys are like eyes through which we are able to look and to see and to share in all of God's joy. And here they are. And I have not ranked these in order of importance, but 
simply for purposes of distinction, although you can't have one without the other. They are two sides of the same coin. The first ineffable joy that must be front and center is the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven. And the second is the king of heaven. The kingdom of heaven and the king of heaven. The kingdom and the king. Every other joy that issues from God however wonderful it might be, pales in comparison. Let me reframe that, actually. Every other joy that issues from God has its source in these two joys, the kingdom of heaven and the king himself of heaven. This is what saints see. The saints who make themselves into windows simply have a clearer vision of this on average. They see a greater vision of the kingdom, and they see the king himself, and they determine that he and the kingdom are more valuable than anything this world has to offer. And they set their minds and their lives determined to pursue it and him. Today, the Feast of All Saints actually has its roots going back to sometime around the fourth century when Christians would gather on occasion to remember the martyrs of the early church. That is, those people who died for their faith. Hence, the traces of red that you will see throughout the, throughout the morning helps us to remember the theme of martyrdom. If I were to guess... What was functioning within the lives of martyrs so well to carry them in their faith to sure and certain death as they faced that trial? What was going on in there? It would simply be this. They saw the kingdom of heaven and they saw the king of kings, the Lord of lords, Jesus himself, and they wanted that more than their lives here. That's it. Consider with me for a moment the very first martyr of the Christian church. We read about him in the New Testament book of Acts in the seventh chapter, St. Stephen. The heading in my Bible reads, The Stoning of Stephen. Stephen was seized and questioned for his faith in God before a council of religious leaders. Spoiler, it was a sham of a hearing. Before he could even offer a defense for his faith in Jesus, the authorities who had authority over him had predetermined to condemn and kill him, which they did. But listen to the account of Stephen's words, final words, before drawing his final breath. But he, Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God. Stephen saw a measure, a greater measure perhaps, of the kingdom of heaven. Let me remind you, it was Moses back in the Old Testament who on one occasion asked God to see him in all his glory. 
And God's response to Moses was, that's an admirable ask, and I commend you for that, but you can't. Why? Because you will die. You cannot see me in all of my glory. You will die. I'm too great for you to behold. But I will cover you with my hand and allow you to see the backside of my glory. Just a fraction of my glory. And he did. And here Stephen beholds a fuller measure of God's glory at his death. I don't know if this is the case or not, but I wouldn't put it out of the question. Had the stones not killed Stephen, perhaps the glory of God would have. I don't know how much God revealed in that moment, but it could have been deadly. God's glory is well-timed. He knows when to show himself fully. In addition to the glory of God, he saw Jesus, the King of heaven, standing at the right hand of God, and he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened, and I see the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And as they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, in other words, my King, receive my spirit. You see what Stephen saw? He saw the kingdom of heaven, and he saw the king. That's it. (laughs) I say that's it. That's ineffable. That's ineffable joy. I cannot begin to describe the joy that that creates in one's life, seeing more of God in that way. You want to know what's alive and well in saints who are committed to their faith. It's these two things, the kingdom and the king. And this is what we are called to have at the forefront of our lives as well. We are no different. I would also draw our attention to our gospel reading, which we've just heard, the famous Beatitudes from Matthew's gospel. I think it's noteworthy that in these blessed statements from Jesus himself, out of the mouth of Jesus, three of the promises that he relays to his disciples have to do with these two things, the kingdom of heaven and God the king. Entering the kingdom of heaven and seeing the king, Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Again, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And lastly, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. What do you want? Truly, what do you want from God? Jesus said, seek first the kingdom. First, and all the other things that you think you may want, if you need them, they will be given. But seek the kingdom, and seek the king first. On this occasion of baptism, in which we have five people being welcomed and ushered into the kingdom, made Christians, lest there be any doubt, you are being called to be on this road, this path, which faces 
and orients and is directed towards the kingdom of heaven in which someday you will come to see the king himself face to face and all his glory. Now, lest our words and our prayers be in vain, it is my hope and my prayer that our collect and what we've prayed for is sincere, that we truly are asking God to give us grace so that we, following the godly examples of the saints before, may also share in these ineffable joys. Amen.